Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Welcome to it Thursdays here. It's Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbel, Connor Clark in the Windy City. He is going to get him a snowcat in uh, plow his way to Lincoln for, for next semester. Elijah, you already got one workout in today. You're going to double dip later. Trying to, to get ahead of the snow tonight. Right, and I have done nothing. Uh, but, but, hey, there's still time in the day. We don't know who's retiring tomorrow. That's something we all got to put our heads together with. Uh, when you had the news, uh, Pete Carroll yesterday, Nick Saban in show yesterday, Bill Belichick officially this morning as he was at the press conference with Robert Kraft. And, uh, yeah, uh, no uh, slam dunk on who's heading to Tuscaloosa, but plenty to get into. Nebraska continuing to load up in the portal. Jamal Banks in that announcement around 8 this morning. So we'll dive into that. Numbers to get in this afternoon here on Hale Varsity at 489 toll free across the state where you hear us on the Hale Varsity Radio Network. You're welcome to watch the show, stream it that way on the Hale Varsity YouTube channel or Hale Varsity Twitter at HVarsity Radio can watch the show that way. Without further ado, it is our starting five. It is roll call, the first five that get in. And we have a tie at the finish line, it sounds like, at, at 339 in the waiting room. Brandon got in, and uh, Brandon from the Black Hills. Hope you fellas are doing well. Uh, you have uh, those two get in. Jeff Snitley, good to see Mr. Snitley in. Third, Patrick fourth, and then Andrew gets in at fifth. You're the first five in. You are starting five. We give you a shout-out here on the show. Roger uh, just missed in at six, and he's one, He's asking if Coach Prime goes to, to Titletown. <laughs> I think Coach Prime would love to go to Titletown. Uh, and and get to to Bama, but I don't know that that's serious. I know Dan Lanning put a video out earlier uh, that he is uh, staying at Oregon. I've heard Kalen DeBoer. We'll check in with Gary Barnett. We had a chance to catch up with the coach a little earlier today, get his take on things. He has spent a lot of time in his life around Nick Saban, so he he knows Coach Saban. 
uh, fairly well. Uh, so Coach Barnett in hour two. Uh, Russ Hochstein, one of our favorite Huskers, uh, played seven years in New England for Bill Belichick, won two Super Bowls, almost to third as uh, Russ Hochstein with us in hour two, as he'll uh, let us a little inside on Bill Belichick. Also, uh, he played on the offensive line with Dom Raiola, uh, those uh, line mates from the uh, late 90s to early 2000s. So uh, I, I love that um, camaraderie of those offensive lines with, with Milt and Dan. And we'll get uh, Hochstein's perspective on uh, a new Riola era potentially in Lincoln. Brandon Vogel with Connor Reed. He's checking in here in 15 minutes. Let's get to the phone lines to get us kicked off. Who's with us? What a first-time caller, Tim. Tim, thanks for uh, checking us out. Thanks for the phone call, Tim. What do you got? Hey, guys. I'm a longtime uh, Oakland slash Los Angeles slash Las Vegas Raiders fan. Sorry you to see hear that. Belichick maybe coming over there or maybe not? Uh, you know, they they just had McDaniels, and, and I know that's uh, a, right. Bel- a Belichick guy, but the uh, the originals a lot of times better. I think he ends up with the Chargers. I think he wants okay. to go to a quarterback situation. I think, right. I think Harbaugh would look really hard at the Chargers as well. He loves San Diego. That's where he started his college career or college okay. coaching career. But right. also, he played well for the Chargers. Uh, he kind of bounced around Harbaugh did with the Colts um, before that with the Bears. But San Diego were some good years for Harbaugh. So I think both those guys will look at the Chargers. And I think uh, there was his first NFL gig for Harbaugh was with the Raiders. So oh, there's, right. there's, right. there's there's that. He was an assistant with the Raiders uh, way back when. So I think uh, both those franchises could do pretty well landing either of them. I think whoever right. gets Harbaugh, I think his goal, and, and he's not announced anything yet, That's I guess that's our answer, fellas, is uh, the next news to drop coaching carousel-wise is probably Harbaugh at some point. We'll see. But, no, I, I think if you're if you're a Raider fan, you are hoping like no other that he uh, he likes the craps table and plays blackjack. Right. Yeah, maybe, yeah, that uh, we can get him to come to Las Vegas. So, I guess now – Ference would be the longest tenured coach in college football coming up on year 26 at Iowa. He but is. Been, yeah. So, no, it is. And, and Ference was uh, was in Omaha last night. Some great coverage by Herdat Sports. At the, uh, was that the Outland Banquet last night? Yeah. There was some really oh, yeah. good, good, good okay. uh, content there. So, Tim, I, I wish you well. Uh, I okay. always enjoy watching the Raiders. I know, Elijah, right. you're going to yeah. snarl at this. Tim, I was going to say, I, I, think, I wish you well, but not too well. Because we got a Bronco okay. fan okay. across the window. I, I've always thought two good things. Nebraska going to a bowl and the Raiders making the playoffs. Keep up the great work, guys. Tim, take care, bud. Appreciate you listening, checking us in, and uh, kicking things off with the phone call. Right now, Connor's like... <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what to do. I got I got Denver fan here. I've got I've got Raider fan that called, and and your uh, your Bears fan right now that is still wondering about what to do at quarterback. You guys are missing the obviously the biggest position that needs to be filled in this year's coaching carousel, and that's the Bears <laughs> offensive coordinator position. Who's going to take that? That's what I care about. The enemy, maybe. I would I would ask the uh, enemy what he wants. Is he out for sure? I know Rivera's gone in Washington. I think you can assume. I don't think it's it's a done deal just yet, but most coaches like to bring their own people with them. Yeah. 
Well, I, I would, if I'm Kansas City, I, I ask Eric to come back. What do you want? <laughs> Fix this offense. Oh, yeah, right. He'd say three it's new wide Matt receivers. <laughs> well, that, that is the answer. Speaking of wide receivers, how about Jamal Banks? Let's dive in there. Yeah, two new portal pickups for Nebraska. Late breaking news, Stephon Thompson. Also okay, Thompson, Twitter the linebacker from, from Syracuse. That is good news. And, and Thompson was good enough to play for Tony White as a freshman at Syracuse. So uh, Nebraska keeps on rolling. I love uh, this one-two punch that Nebraska has been able to get. We'll get some of Brandon Bogle's thoughts as well. But Jamal Banks, we're talking uh, 1,400 yards and change in two years at Wake Forest, 13 touchdowns. And what sticks out to me, a couple of things, and guys jump in on this as well, A, I think it was very important for Nebraska to add to the wide receiver room. That's not discounting what they they have in that room, but you want a mixture of of experience with some youth and what Nebraska has at the wide receiver spot. Listen, I, I think you can feel really good about the future of the wide receiver room when you get a guy like Dawson, Lloyd, and Malachi that we did see on the field last year. I mean, there's there are some some really talented players there that were open last year, that made, in an anemic year of offense, they made some really nice plays downfield to get a big play and, and get one of your two or three scoring opportunities for the season. But the wide receiver room looks like this right now with Nayor that, that comes in from Texas and now with Jamal Banks from Wake Forest. You have those two. You've got Malachi. You've got Lloyd. You've got Doss. You've got Demetrius Bell. You've got some young pups um, with uh, McMorris and Smith and Clark. You've got Carter Nelson. You've got Thomas Fedoni. Those are some dudes to throw the football to. And Elijah and Connor, the thing I like about Banks is that, that red zone option. You've got a guy that is all about absorbing contact, beating contact, and making some key catches. He is a red zone option. He's a possession receiver, mm-hmm. and the guy is uh, big enough to, to kind of create his own space in contested moments. And, and I think of some guys, uh, and we've been kind of racking our brain for comps for Banks, but there's about three or four wide receivers, if you're a Nebraska fan, that you – Remember watching and, and smile about Quincy Anunwa, Mo Purify uh, are, are two guys that were just physical specimens that, that made things happen on offense. Those are those are two guys. Brandon Kenny, friend of the show, mm. and and BK was uh, all sorts. He had he had a little bit of an extra gear. Uh, BK did, but he was a big-bodied wide receiver as well. Those are those six, three, and up guys the last 10, 15 years, and I'm probably forgetting somebody, uh, Stanley Morgan as well, that just made it happen. They weren't necessarily burners downfield, but you've got a good one-two punch now, a Nayor that uh, maybe a little bit faster. Banks is your big-body possession guy, and uh, both can come in and and, and push and help one another, and neither of them, while they want to be the guy, it's not all on one to be the guy and lead this young wide receiver room. I like Stanley Morgan as a comparison. I, I've said Maurice Purify before. That's not perfect. He, he's kind of a, a weird mix between Kenny Morgan, uh, Purify. That's kind of what I see from Banks. Or 
Is he going to take the top off the defense with his speed? No. Can he take the top off the defense? But he can get separation. Yes. He, that's, that's, that's the important thing. He's not doing it with his speed, though. He does it with his physicality, his ability to box out smaller defensive backs. Really, really like what I see from Jamal Banks. I, and I, I don't want to say this uh, in a way that is, is disparaging towards Nayorba. I think Banks fills a more immediate need within your offense right away whenever you consider the freshman quarterback and the fact that a freshman quarterback, a lot of times, third and 10, you need a safety blanket. Who can you throw it to that's going to give you a better than 50-50 chance at a jump ball? It's going to be Jamal Banks in this offense. And that's what I think of when I think of Kenny, when I think of Stanley Morgan, when I think of Mo Purify. Whenever you needed somebody to make a play, everybody's covered well. You could throw it to one of those guys, and you'd know you probably have a, a greater than 50% chance of completing this one. He'll 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 make it happen. He'll he'll fix it. And Nayor's a guy that, that they're going to be able to get reverses and jet sweeps with, with his speed. And, and he can get deep. And Nebraska has a couple of options to take the top off already. And, and what you want uh, with Banks is that red zone, that third and eight, mm-hmm. uh, that press coverage beater, and, and also a guy that is able to uh, find a way to, to make a play. I mean, he was pro football focus, his top graded wide receiver out of the ACC last year. And almost seventy percent of his catches were contested catches, so there's there's some That's security. An stat. No, I know, but mm-hmm. it's there's there's some security there for for Nebraska to have that, and it's a really well rounded room. I think Garrett McGuire did uh, Connor and Elijah one hell of a job of not just talking the development game, but showing what he's going to do to make Banks uh, a guy that can maybe be a Sunday option. Yeah, and you have some some elder statesmen in the room now that can mentor those younger guys and, and allow them to make that sophomore year jump. You hear that so many times from coaches. Guys make the biggest jump between their freshman and their sophomore season. If guys like Doss and, and Malachi Coleman and Jalen Lloyd can make that jump combined with uh, both Naor and Banks, I don't think I have worries about the wide receiver room assuming those guys make that jump. And, and maybe they don't. Maybe they never do. You never know in the game of college football. It's kind of hard to project that development. But what I know about Matt Rule and his program is that guys are more likely than not to make the jump that is expected of them. I, and really, whenever you, you add in the Thompson news that was breaking here about 10 minutes ago, uh, it feels like Nebraska has taken care of all of their immediate needs within the transfer portal. You got another linebacker that can sub in and can be a guy, whether it be injury, whether it be because your defense has been on the field a lot. You got that covered. You got yourself a three-down running back in, in Dante Dowdell, and you got yourself some wide receivers for Dylan Ryle to throw the ball to. Oh, and let's not forget, too, it, it wasn't necessarily an immediate need, but it's a big help. Mazuka, the offensive guard from mm-hmm. Florida, that's an instant plug-and-play type guy on your offensive line. Nebraska, via the portal, has gone and filled, I'd say, every single one of their immediate needs that we laid out about a month ago on this show. Connor, uh, some successful shopping for Nebraska, and it's going to make uh, year two, which I think it's fair to say is still a build year. But d- despite the schedule and how this schedule finishes, you've got some pieces, some options to turn to if you're Nebraska here to help complement a uh, perceivably young quarterback. Maybe I'm foolish for being surprised of how well Matt Rule has done in the portal because it seems like every single day we have somebody new that Matt Rule has corralled here, and Jamal Banks being one of the newer ones, obviously. Uh, Elijah just broke the news the other day, or the other minute, rather. But I like, you know, the, the number that stands out with me with Jamal Banks is the 11 yards a catch. I mean, that is 
a good chunk of yards. Obviously, you have your deep threats. You mentioned Elijah earlier how he fits into the offense pretty well, at least on paper. If you need that safety blanket, you need just a chunk of yards, and you can probably find him. He's six foot four. He's two hundred and five pounds, a bigger guy. And you mentioned seventy percent of his catches were contested last season, which is a highly impressive clip at that percentage point as well. So maybe again. I might be foolish for for being surprised of how good Matt Rule has done in the portal this this uh, thus far, but it's been really impressive to watch. And I agree. I think a lot of the immediate needs have been filled, and it's it's really exciting to see as we get a little bit closer to spring ball here as the calendar turns to 2024. Spring's going to be fun to to watch. Not only Riola, uh, Kalen, uh, see what Harburg's progression looks like. What's that offensive line look like with a number? I think uh, one of our wonderful stream participants laid out, uh, I forget who did it, but the combined starts you're going to have on the offensive line next year, presumably. And then you got defense coming back, which is good. And Anonymous will talk a little bit about Bama, New England as well. Anonymous nails it. Mike Riley to Alabama. Uh, make it happen. We might get Vogue's wrong answers only for Tuscaloosa next. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for spending time a Thursday with Hale Varsity Radio. We're powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. We welcome in with Connor Reed. It is Brandon Vogel at Brandon L. Vogel on Twitter. Can find his work, Aaron Sorensen, great stuff at counterread.com. Really awesome column on uh, Nebraska's win over Purdue from Vogue's. And uh, Vogue's, it's it's all about the portal, man. Nebraska keeps doing their thing in the, the portal. Let's get your reaction to uh, Matt Rule and uh, the work that the Big Red have done so far. A linebacker today, a wide receiver this morning. Yeah, they, they've done something that I very – infrequently successfully do which i think they are actually getting everything off the shopping list and <laughs> it's tough when you've got to compete when you got to compete at the grocery store um i don't have to do that but i inevitably always forget something even if i've got it got it written down but in terms of my off-season punch list with with the addition of thomas lately from syracuse the linebacker like i think they kind of they kind of checked all the boxes so far and, and even, you know, I don't know if I – I don't think Nebraska had to have an O-line addition, but to get one who's experienced – I mean, other than specialists, and this is why they're hard to get, um, other than specialists, I think O-line in the portal is about as plug-and-play as you get. Like, you got a guy that, that started basically an entire season at Florida and started games before that, um, guy's probably going to play. Vince Scott played the entire season at center. Um, that's what you expected you were getting, and that's what you got. And it doesn't work that way all the time at, at some of those other positions the further you get away from the ball. How many beers deep would you need to be to throw hands with Makuza? Mazuka, excuse me, Mazuka. Because you saw the footage of him taking on Florida uh, in the, in the, uh, the old striped uh, Go Vols end zone uh, from this past season. Yeah, I don't know if uh, I don't know if enough exists. Um, I'm, a, I'm a peaceful. I'm a peaceful person. Um, put it that way. So it, it depends what kind of fight um, we're talking here. Because if it's just like, uh, let's see what happens. You know, no no bad blood. The it's, amount it's, would probably make it hurt less. 
It's one. That's what I meant. It could be fun, you know? <laughs> I meant to, to numb the pain. Not that I don't bet on you yeah. all the time, Vogues. It was it was, <laughs> it was more of a, Connor got it, it was more of a pain-numbing question here. Well, well think about the, the free publicity you'd get. Local radio host fights Nebraska offensive lineman. See it on video. That's that's free publicity for Hale Varsity Make that radio. a pay-per-view. Are you kidding me? That's what I, I'm saying. And put it on Peacock, right? Yeah. <laughs> Local radio host talks too much crap. Gets hands thrown. <laughs> no. <laughs> you are feeding players very bad ideas right now. Uh-huh. Yeah. NIL. The new NIL. <laughs> Steel yeah, cage. Geez. Steel cage. There we Save go. Save the radio hosts. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, <laughs> there'll be uh You want to talk about the largest bet laid at the sports book? <laughs> it, it, that could be the radio new year-end bonus, is you have to go earn your bonus in the steel cage. <laughs> uh, that's pretty good. Vogues, let's spend a minute on the wide receivers we talked banks nayor and any comps that come to your mind we're, we're kind of trying to, to get the, the banks comp and we hit some of the greatest hits of you know the anoon was of of uh, yesteryear or mo purify just that big bodied red zone guy that uh, stanley morgan that just made it happen because physically they got separation it wasn't necessarily a speed thing yeah, uh, I mean, all the guys you mentioned are kind of the first ones that come to mind. I think, you know, with Banks, if he's if he's Nebraska's Anunwa, uh, you, you did really well. Um, but even if he's sort of, you know, a Brandon Kenny, who really good receiver, money. highly highly valued coming out of junior college, Nebraska is just pretty talented at wide receiver at the at that at that stage and. But he came up with some huge catches and made some some huge plays as a guy who is like capable of probably being a number one, but on that on that on those teams was you know maybe second or third option. Um, so when you look at Nebraska's the the makeup of the room, not only did they need to to add some experience at wide receiver, they needed to add add some size, and they've done both of those things. And I think all of a sudden it it frees up their, their group of young receivers to, to kind of be what they can be to, to the best of their ability. They don't have to be something else. So you, you look at these, these big, you know, these bigger receivers that Nebraska's added via the portal. Uh, Nebraska's got plenty of speed, I think, in the wide receiver room with, with those, with that group of underclassmen. So now you can kind of, you can kind of hit teams both ways. You can you can hit them with the speed angle. You've also got some of those big bodies that that can just to you know you can push the ball downfield to, which Matt Rule is is kind of become the phrase of of the off season early on. Uh, push the ball downfield. So it's uh, it's I, I I like the makeup of that room quite a bit. I know we talked about it. I think last week when before Banks was in, obviously like. You got one, okay, that's good. You might have covered your needs there. You get two, all of a sudden, like you start to think, okay, now they might actually have, you know, that wide receiver group was poised to be a weapon rather than just is it is it up to is it up to standard? Brandon, with, with those wide receivers, with an offensive guard, you had Dowdell to the conversation, now Stephon Thompson, the linebacker from Syracuse. Do you feel Nebraska has has filled all of their needs that they had coming into this offseason in terms of uh, areas where they needed an immediate impact kind of guy. Because I think of running back, wide receiver particularly, offensive line probably needed a guy. They, they would have been fine without it, I think, but you really could have used an upgrade there. And then at linebacker, you get a third guy. Whether or not he's a starter, you know Stephon Thompson's probably going to get some play time next season. Did Nebraska fill all their needs? 
Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, I think with the, you know, caveat at, at quarterback, which before that was on my list before, before Don Riola had, you know, had, had flipped um, and rules talked enough about that, about like they chose to go that way. So you can kind of push that one off to the side minus that one. Yeah. I think, I think they have, um, I'm trying to think back cause I did a big, you know, transfer portal primer and, Quarterback and wide receiver were both in kind of my must category. I thought running back and O line and linebacker were were in the if you can take one or if you can get one, take one. Um, so so as far as I, I look at it, like I think they've they've upgraded um, pretty quickly. And oh, you know, defensive back, they added one kind of quietly on signing day. Wasn't a spot where I was like, oh, you need somebody, but you're getting a guy. I really like players moving up a level proven players from lower going up a level. Um, I'm always going to be pretty intrigued by that. I think it's, it's kind of the value play in the portal. And if you're in Nebraska, you, you, you still kind of got to, you got to make those value plays. Brandon moving forward. How much more do you expect Nebraska to be active in the portal? If at all, probably not much unless, you know, Alabama wants to half of Alabama's team wants to, to, to move to Lincoln. <laughs> Uh, given given yesterday's news, um, but I think I, I would expect them to be to be pretty quiet from this point. Like now that they've they've gotten this group in, that was that was here over the weekend, um, had a really high success rate with that group. I would expect them to to be like, okay, it's time to start geared up for spring football, which is which is going to start you know more more quickly than than it seems. First guy, if I'm Matt Rome, giving a call to from Bama. Caden hey, Proctor, you want to come back to the Midwest? Was that Alabama weather too nice for you? I'm giving him a call. Five star. Was it too nice? Yeah, <laughs> son. Let's let's talk. Do you but, miss snow, son? No, we'll have plenty here the next 24 hours, <laughs> Vogues. Uh, let's go to Saban and uh, the announcement yesterday. We'll hear from Coach Saban. His uh, sit down with Reese Davis in about 15 minutes. But your takeaway, man. Um, you uh, have had uh close friends around that program that you know no no saint nick and uh are you surprised and in second part how how big of a a roadblock is the the saban effect for the next coach be it DeBoer, the the expectations you're walking into yeah um so i i have known some people who've been around that program i've i've been through because of that, I, I got the uh, kind of recruiting tour. Um, I was not being recruited, to be clear, because I was, you know, 37 years old at that point. Um, <laughs> but I've, I've gone through the facilities. Uh, I've been to games there. Uh, and, you know, I, I've kind of seen the level of detail that Nick Saban undertook to to build what he built. And a lot of teams do that now. I mean, a lot of the sport over the past 10, 15 years has either been copying Nick Saban or a reaction to Nick Saban, which is kind of the ultimate, I think, compliment you can, you can pay to a coach. When that, when that news hit yesterday, the only word I come up, I was like, this is an earthquake for, for college football. Um, It changes. I mean, you just penciled Alabama in, you know, and you certainly did that in a 12 team playoff era. And now when you look at the knock on effect to, to the coaching piece of it, like just when we thought, oh, the carousel was kind of slowing to a stop, 
boy, it just got, got kicked into you to hyperdrive because who knows, who knows what's going to happen from here. The, it's, I think Schmidt, you hit on the most interesting question and it's, it's hard to know what the answer is, but like who, who wants to follow a legend, right? Um, it's tough. Like Alabama's undeniably one of the best jobs in the country. Um, but you look at somebody like Steve Sarkeesian, it, it gets really interesting. Like, is there anything he can't do at Texas that he could do at Alabama? Right. I don't, maybe not, but <laughs> you have that, that big piece of um, what at Texas, he's just trying to get him back to that spot. He doesn't have to deal with like, Oh, because it's almost inevitable. If we agree Saban is the best that's ever done it in college football. And, and I would agree with that. Um, you know, he had to overcome Bear Bryant at his own university to to do that. And it's super impressive. And we could spend an hour talking about why or why that isn't the case. But um, it's almost inevitably going to be worse. I mean, look at Ohio State. I wrote this after after Urban Meyer's last bowl game. I was like, Ryan Day looks like he's really good. It's almost impossible to be as good as Urban Meyer was. So you got to find a coach who wants to do that. They'll find somebody. Um, I mean, no doubt. And they'll find somebody who who's very good. It's just hard to know who that guy is. I mean, if, if reports are to be, be believed, Dan Lanning said, thanks, but no thanks, which he was kind of the, to me, the slam dunk hire. Yeah. Kalen DeBoer, um, I respect as much as anybody in the country. Uh, that's one where you're like, yeah, you can do some things at Alabama that you, you don't have, you, you might not be able to do at Washington as consistently, but you also have to deal with a whole lot more stuff than you have to deal with as the guy who just took Washington to the national championship game. Brandon, last thought, 10 seconds. Who's the worst hire Alabama could make right now? Well, uh, there's a young, he hasn't, doesn't have head coaching experience, but I think Connor Stallions, uh, young, <laughs> yes. young assistant at Michigan. I want five more minutes with Vogues because you spent time in Boston during the Belichick heyday era. Can we get five more minutes? All right, Brandon Vogel, Counter Reed, Hale Varsity continues. We're powered by Cornhead Lager. Uh, we'll check in with Russ Hochstein, who played for Belichick. Next hour, Coach Barnett in hour two. More with Vogue's on the way. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Some overtime with Brandon Vogel, Counter Reed, CounterReed.com. Reminder about your friends at Dyer Law, Workers' Comp. Confused about your options for workers' compensation? Put your trust in the team at Dyer Law. They'll help ensure you that your rights are protected and you get the settlement you deserve. Call Dyer Law today at 402-393-7529 or visit Dyer.Law, Dyer.Law to chat with a trusted professional about your workers' compensation claim. 402-393-7529 with Dyer Law. Vogues, you were in Boston uh, around uh, a number of... uh, uh, New England's finest, be it Red Sox, Celtics, or Patriots fans. And, of course, Bill Belichick stepping away, probably not done coaching, but mutual uh, uh, parting of ways between Robert Kraft and, and Bill Belichick. Bill had the old uh, plaid sport coat on, uh, had a nice tie going today, and a really big tinge of sadness, some emotion in his voice. And Do you ever pour a beer for Belichick, I guess is my question. I didn't. Uh, I bar backed slash uh, became a, a bouncer, which I was not. Oh, sweet. <laughs> not 
not the man for the job for when I think it's around did Patriots win in 04, 05. Yeah, I think so. Somewhere around there. Um they were in yeah, it. Yeah, like it became it became clear the page it was Super Bowl Sunday. It became clear the Patriots were gonna win. And it, I was at a bar, I worked at a bar that was right in downtown, like Faneuil Hall area of Boston. So they're like People are going to like flock down here. You're like one of the people on the door. So I was like, okay, I guess. So. <laughs> thanks. Thanks, Bill Belichick for that. That might be my most direct involvement with, with him. You did know, you wear but... sleeves as a bouncer? <laughs> I did. I did. Um, I, I didn't quite have it. Didn't quite have it like that. I didn't have neck tattoos for it either. So um, I, I got to Boston. So the Patriots won Super Bowl after the 01 season. Mm-hmm. And I moved to Boston the following September. And, and I remember like, so, I mean, I'm from a farm in the middle of nowhere. Like I know nothing about, about the city of Boston. I get there. And the Patriots were honestly probably like fourth in the pecking order. Like, you know, Boston fans are super passionate about all of their teams, but it just like me observing it, I'm like, okay, well, the Red Sox are clearly clearly at top at the top. The Celtics were, I think, still in their Anton Walker, Paul Pierce era. That's not but bad. the Bruins might have been second. Mm-hmm. Bruins, Celtics tied for two, second and third, or, or close enough. And the Patriots were probably still fourth. And I think they went about five hundred that that second season uh, after that first season after the super bowl my first year there and it's kind of like ah, you know won the super bowl that was nice you had no idea kind of the the dominance that was that was coming and i was there for almost 10 years and you just watched the patriots kind of move up move up the pecking order probably never overtook the red sox particularly once the red sox start started winning titles but that was that was my experience with with what belichick did in the city of Boston as as a total outsider. How is that Super Bowl Sunday working? Was it epic drunkness? Was it St. Paddy's Day rivalry of of uh, suds poured or was it was it just a, a memory you have tried to erase due to being the doorman? And now, I mean, that was that was fine. And as a bar back, I still got tipped out at the end of the night. It was a lucrative night uh, for me at <laughs> you know twenty six or whatever. <laughs> and I, I remember, like, people did indeed flock down downtown, right to in front of Faneuil Hall, where there's a statue of Samuel Adams that somebody like took their jersey off, cut it so they could put it on on the statue and uh it was it was it was mostly peaceful so um that went well i didn't have to um i didn't have to actually bounce anybody so that was nice i love that vogue's the bouncer that's it's pretty good brings you back to the the original place we, we led this conversation off vogue's how many beers to fight bill belichick <laughs> um maybe at least a countable number because he's not o lineman sized but uh, <laughs> i feel like that's more of a reputation thing at that point i was gonna say in terms of in terms of tenaciousness like i'm not i'm not eager to to happen to happen to that one either <laughs> Vogues, what's happening with counter reed how can folks get in touch yeah, you can check us out at counterread.com. It's a Substack newsletter from myself and, and Aaron Sorensen. As, as you mentioned earlier, Chris, wrote a little bit about basketball this week following Nebraska's win over Purdue. Um, not to be a, the downer at all times, it's just how I am. I, you know, great win. Look at that game. I'm like, well, you're not going to shoot 60% from, free, from three very often, but 
there's some reasons that I think that I think what Nebraska has right now is is sustainable. So you can go there and check that out. That's one of our free newsletters this week coming tomorrow. Um, Aaron Sorensen was at Malachi Coleman's one of his camps, which is a really good story. Cool. Um, that's coming tomorrow on 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 counterread.com. So so hop on over there. You can check it out for free. You can sign up uh, as a paid subscriber right away. Multiple options for anyone who wants to uh, find out what we're doing over there. Vogues, thank you for the overtime. Appreciate you. We'll talk Saturday, all right? Sounds good, guys. Thanks. There he is, Brandon Vogel with us, counterread, counterread.com. I, I knew he had some sort of interaction during the Belichick era slash New England heyday. And imagine being a bouncer on Super Bowl Sunday in downtown Boston. That sounds like a nightmare. That's he handled it like. well. I mean, he didn't cringe when we asked him about it. Do we have time to squeeze in Belichick here as his announcement? No, maybe yeah, sort of. Yeah, okay. okay. Oh, yeah, this is Belichick, uh, his announcement that he's uh, uh, saying goodbye, his presser this morning with Robert Kraft. So many memories of the fans, the, the send-offs, um, the parades, um, the Sundays. You know, whatever the whatever the situations are, um, the letters of support, uh, the you know, seeing the fans, you know, away from here, you know, at a gas station or a grocery store, or, you know, wherever you bump into them, uh, Patriot fans here, and not just in New England, but uh, they extend nationally and even internationally uh, as I've traveled. Uh, it's amazing how far the the arm reaches. We saw that this year in, in Germany. So. Uh, so appreciative of the fans for all the support they've given me, uh, my family, uh, and this football team. And uh, it's with um, just so many fond memories and, and uh, thoughts that I you know, think about the Patriots and, and I'll always be a Patriot. I look forward to coming back here. Uh, but at this time, uh, you know, we're going we're gonna to move on. And um, I look forward and excited for the future. Um, but always very, very appreciative of the opportunity here, the support here, uh, and, you know, the, what, Robert, what you've done for me. Thank you. So a guy that's been robotic, perceived as robotic, very touched in his voice, and he did not say it's, it's on to uh, Los Angeles. <laughs> he did not say it's <laughs> on to Las Vegas. But... Man, you just don't see that emotion from him. You see him smile occasionally when he's hoisting a Super Bowl trophy. He even cracked a joke to lead off the press conference where he said, I haven't Mm -hmm. seen this many cameras here since we signed Tebow. (laughs) Like, just a a different feeling press conference. Like, like the the weight of the world was lifted off his shoulders just a little bit, and and maybe having Mac Jones as your quarterback will do that to you. But he felt a little bit different today. Wow. Can I say a couple of things? From 2016 through 2021, this stat blew me away. Every draft pick they've had from the the first through the third round, from 2016 through 2021, none of those guys have signed a second contract. He's been their key and chief talent evaluator because he's been the, 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 the grocery shopper and the chef. And New England killed it forever with fifth round and beyond draft picks, right? Or or free agent guys. And it's just, you know, it's not the same anymore. And he'll uh, find a greener pasture, allegedly. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. One final time this hour, Hale Varsity, powered by Cornhead Lager, Chris Schmidt, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. 
And you, thanks for checking us out in the stream. Hail Varsity YouTube channel podcast is posted there. The video portion, Spotify, iTunes, Google Play, where you go for Hail Varsity uh, to get the download on each show, the whole show, or uh, some of the highlighted segments. Uh, you're welcome to check all that out. This is Nick Saban with Reese Davis. The uh, all-important why, why are you stepping down? Why did you decide that this was the right time to retire? Well, I don't think there's any good time, especially when you're a coach, because once you're a coach, you think you're going to be a coach forever. But I actually thought that uh, in hiring coaches, uh, recruiting players, uh, that my age started to become a little bit of an issue. People wanted uh, assurances that I would be here for three years, five years, whatever, and that got harder and harder for me to be honest about. And to be honest, this last season uh, was grueling. Uh, it was a real grind uh, for us to come from where we started to where we got to. Uh, took a little, little more out of me than usual. And you know, when people mentioned the health issue, it was really just the grind of, can you do this the way you want to do it? Can you do it the way you've always done it? and be able to sustain it and do it for the entire season. And if I couldn't make a commitment to do that in the future, uh, the way I I think I have to do it, um, I thought maybe this was the right time based on those two sets of circumstances uh, that, um, like I said, there's never a good time. Uh, But I thought maybe this was the right time. So there's there's no illness, it's just the grind and the gruel of the season. Yeah, there's no illness. Miss Terry's fine. I'm fine. Um, but it was the, can you sustain the season, you know, from just a, a mental grind standpoint. Um, and I, you know, when I was young, you know, I could work till two in the morning, get up at six and be there the next day and be full of energy and <laughs> go for it. But when you get a little older, that gets a little tougher. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. Uh, he edited himself. He was going to say P and V. Uh, I'm, I'm fairly certain. Uh, you have uh, Rule Aid 757. If Bama doesn't make a 12-team playoff, the fan base will riot. <laughs> there, there's an expect, ex- expectation. You know what the illness is? It's, it's the portal and it's NIL. It's that's, money. It is. That's, what, that's why Coach K is no longer here. That's why... Saban's out, and that's why you have more college coach. I mean, it's a it's a twelve month a year deal now to be a college football well, coach, and that's probably fair. But I think it's a lot more fun to think of Nick Saban on the sideline against Auburn, watching that fourth and thirty three play, the miracle it took to beat years Auburn, off his life, and just said, "I can't do this anymore." I, 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 I can't <laughs> I, have you a know game what I think? I think it's the grounder to uh, to Milrow on on fourth and die in the in overtime. That took, that, that's part of it too. Not only the, the miracle to beat Auburn, but how about the the bad snap, right? That that screwed up your your RPO or your swing I'm pass. S- I'm surprised the Iron Bowl about a decade ago wasn't enough for him to say, "Hey, I can't do this anymore." Well, I it mean, changed geez. his quarterback recruiting. I mean, that's true. It absolutely changed his quarterback recruiting. We'll uh, hear more about Nick Saban. We'll get some thoughts on uh, Dana Holgerson. And uh, Gary Barnett, longtime coach, Colorado and Northwestern, our conversation with Barney coming up here in less than 10 minutes. Former Patriot and Husker standout, Russ Hochstein. His thoughts on Bill Belichick. Next hour with Hale Varsity.
The voice of Husker Nation is on the air. This is Hale Varsity Radio. Insight, opinion, expertise, along with the biggest names talking Nebraska sports. Join in with the show at 402-489-1240 or 1-800-825-5865. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbel. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity. We're powered by Cornhead Lager and all sorts of things going on, man, between uh, legendary coaches stepping away in the NFL and in college football. Nebraska keeps adding pieces in the portal with some skill, and we welcome in. Skill's a, a, a big word because... I think he displays it. He's just a little bashful with it on the golf course. Uh, Gary Barnett with us, a Hall of Fame coach, Colorado and Northwestern. Coach, are you uh, you bringing your clubs to Alabama? Let me start there. Well, yeah, I got to bring my clubs to Alabama. So, uh, yeah, we're packing up now. So I love it. But we're gonna play. We're gonna play the Robert Trent Jones Trail golf courses. We're not going to Tuscaloosa. What do you think of this? Are you surprised? Are you shocked at this? Uh. Not really. I mean, he's 72. Uh, This job's gotten extremely complicated. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, coaches don't usually get to go out on their own accord. (laughs) You know, 98% of us are asked to leave and uh, are toted away. So, uh, you know, there's very few guys I know who can actually say they call their shot. Mm-hmm. And uh, Nick's, you know, Nick's, Nick should be able to call his shot. I think doing it now uh, after this season, uh, tremendous coaching job, I think, with tremendous players, by the way. Mm-hmm. But, uh, no, I, I, I uh, in a lot of ways, envy him that, that he was able to walk out on his terms. Gary Barnett with us. Uh, how long have you known Nick? What's, what's your guys' relationship like? Have you played golf together? Well, yeah, it's been good. Uh, it started back when uh, I went to Northwestern and hired his offensive coordinator away at, to become my offensive coordinator at Northwestern. And uh, Greg Meyer was his name, and he was working with Nick at Toledo. So um, that's when I, I really got to know him to a little bit. And then in the Big Ten, uh, you know, we played each other, uh, and we have – uh, served on committees and we've, you know, we played golf a couple times together in, in some of the events that, uh, uh, you know, the Big Ten coaches outings and things like that. So um, I've always had a very respectful relationship with Nick. Uh, he's the same all the time. And I mean, if you, you think he's different on a golf course or different having dinner, no, 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 no. Nick's the same way, serious all the time. He's a man of routine. Uh, he firmly believes that routine is important because it frees you up to think. You don't have to think about what you need, need to do next. You already know your body already knows what to do next, and so you can free your mind up. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, Nick wouldn't have called me for advice for sure. We're not that good of friends, but mm-hmm. you know, you consider everything that's going on, the complications of this job, and and really where where it's all heading, which nobody knows, and even more importantly. The fact that nobody's in charge—it's a—it's a tough profession to continue in. I mean, it's—I um, mean, it's—you can make some money doing it, but that's not what 
most of us got into this game for. Gary Barnett with us, Hale Varsity Radio. The complications that have arisen, you have NIL, you have portal movement within campuses. The, the control part, Coach, speak to that with having to roll with some punches and, and maybe the loss of control or things not being how they used to be. How hard is that for, for some coaches to deal with? The, the power aspect is where I'm going. Well, the power, yes, but the, also the fact that you have a there's structure, you know, and all of us like structure, and Nick, Nick particularly likes structure. And so there's no structure now in the NCAA. There's no structure to NIL. There's no structure to uh, league changes and, um, you know, realignment. There's absolutely no structure because there's nobody in charge. If we're looking for somebody to be the czar, yes. Nick's available now. You know, and who knows? Maybe that's where he ends up. He probably would do a better job at that than, than doing all the TV stuff that people do afterwards. Because even when you're on TV, somebody's in your ear telling you, what to say or what you they hope you say you know maybe that's the next step for nick there's no structure out there and so and because there's no structure there's no rules because there's no rules there's no consequences you know there's no accountability and frankly football coaches don't handle that very well and you have to turn it over to somebody who can deal with all that ambiguity somebody on your staff or hire somebody that can deal with all that and even then it drives you nuts you don't know who to ask who to go to it's a really complicated deal and i can see why I don't think that's the reason Nick decided to call it quits. I think it's just part of it, but I do think it's part of it. Coach, uh, with this college football czar, I, I agree with you. I think that's a direction he could go. I don't know how soon we'll get a, a mega league of 64, you know, the kind of that offshoot we've talked about. That said, do you worry about that being a reality? I mean, how will that tug of war go between conference commissioners and then one super conference? Well, I don't think you'll move to one big mega league. You may have one division, one big gotcha. division, but the, the leagues have to be different because of the money. Yeah. There's no way the SEC, the Big Ten are going to say, oh, we'll, we'll give you some of our money for you guys to come into our league. Uh-uh, that ain't going to happen. You're going to be, there's about 30 teams that can be self-supporting and all be uh, valid Valuable, bring value to a to a, a league. It's just like the NFL. The thirty that make it or thirty-two, whatever it is, there'll be a division below that that doesn't quite cut it at that level. Who's going to design it? When's it going to happen? Nobody has a clue because nobody's been given that task. Let me ask you this before we get to coaching search at Alabama. Why did Saban do so well at Alabama? Oh. Yes, recruiting and players, but from Sparty to LSU and then NFL back to Alabama. This final act in his coaching journey why was he so dominant well he learned along the way you know when he was at michigan state he wasn't the powerhouse coach that he is now but you grow you know you evolve and you learn and nick always does that so then he goes to lsu you're in a hotbed of players i'm telling you can you know there's players everywhere in louisiana and he got them and so combination of uh, nick being a good teacher of uh hiring people that you know it's 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 what you did when we had structure you were able to do that sort of stuff now that you don't have structure who knows what the rules are or what the protocols are but uh and then you know he he went to the miami dolphins it didn't work because he didn't have any control nick has to have control all coaches have to have control college coaches every college coach has failed at the nfl it's because they don't have any control 
And so he goes to the NFL. He doesn't have control, says, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> and there was Alabama waiting for him. So uh, it's one of those things where they boot him as the plane left Miami, and they had thousands on the tarmac when he landed in Tuscaloosa. So <laughs> that's the way this job goes. But, uh, you know, and, and then people listen to him. They let him have the control, and he worked his stuff. Coach, how about that job in Tuscaloosa? Uh, some of the, the, the names that are part of that Saban tree or familiar with uh, the Bama program. How, uh, how, I mean, this is the monster of all, you know, <laughs> replacing a legend. Coach Osborne did it with, uh, with Devaney, uh, and, and you were part of that Colorado build, and you came back to – to, to you know bring Colorado back up to a high level when you were coaching the buffs where do you think uh, Bama goes I mean the the names Lane and Lanning and Dabo and DeBoer and Sark um, what what's your uh, gut say about the next man in the headset well I think the most logical guy to make that move would be Dabo mm-hmm. because of the future of Clemson and that conference yeah, uh, I think there'd be more appeal by Dabo. I don't know how much appeal there is for Dabo, but to me, that's the most logical one. Uh, DeBoer and Lanning are in good spots where they are. Uh, you know, they live in good places. They're gonna, they'll have a lot of travel and that sort of stuff. But they're in the Big Ten now, so it, it'll be. Let me tell you, when something like this happens. There's something in every coach's blood that goes, oh, man, I think I'm going to look into that. And there's something uh, in every one of their wives that said, oh, no, let's don't do this. <laughs> so it's just the way it is. You know, it's like when you, when you take your dog to the vet for the first time and you put a chip in him, mm-hmm. well, that's what coaches get. We get a chip that says when something like this happens, you're supposed to – activate that chip and get inquisitive about it what was what was your bama so to speak what was the gig that was open that you thought about going for or they reached out to you well it was uh texas really and um yeah it was texas and uh you know i was within four hours of getting that job so yeah that was the only thing i really thought I would leave for but that but to me that was the number one job in the country at the time and it came down to Mac Brown and myself and I was actually supposed to get on a plane headed to the airport to get on a plane to meet with the Board of Regents in St. Louis on a Tuesday night and I got a call and said wait a minute <laughs> uh, we can't get all the Regents there and I went uh oh I know what this means mm. so yeah and it was uh, and Mac got the job and uh, instead of me, but they made a good choice because Mac was perfect for Texas. Well, so the the call that said the regions aren't here is that hey, we we got another candidate or yeah. Or, or, so okay. what happened was was while I was interviewing with the Las Dodds and and uh, another guy, uh, then uh, Tom Hicks. Well, Mac was interviewing with Daryl Royal. Oh, okay. And Earl Royal said he wanted a, a grits guy and not a guy from the north, and he thought I was a guy from the north. So, uh, And, you know, Mac had been successful, too. Sure. And so 
it was a it was a good match. It was. Do you say, look, I've had grits before, man. I grew up in Missouri. <laughs> no, you know what? It, it's the one thing I could do at that point in time. Sure. So. Gary Barnett's with us, Hale Varsity Radio. Coach, a name that's surfaced in Lincoln at least last weekend is maybe an addition to Nebraska's staff, uh, and, and we'll see where things go. There, Dana Holgerson, what's your thoughts on, on Dana? I know he's uh, not at Houston anymore, but he's had success at, at a lot of different spots as a, as a coordinator. Uh, he's a quarterback coach. He's also... Uh, had a lot of points he put up with West Virginia and at Houston. Well, Dana's a good coach. He's a really good offensive coach. His brother played for me at Northwestern. I knew Dana a little bit. He did a great job both those places, I think, and he doesn't have to be in control of the defense. He's going to be able to put up points. So it would be an interesting hire, especially for a young quarterback coming in like you have. What's the word, I guess, you have on Dana when it comes to his work with quarterbacks if there is more to this uh, for Nebraska? What, what's a trait of Dana that really connects well with uh, with quarterbacks and offenses? He, he's sort of like a savant, you know? He's mm-hmm. just one of those guys out there. and uh, He's like Homer Smith, and I don't want to compare the two of them, but, you know, there's just guys that do a good job with quarterbacks, and they're all just different. And, you know, Dana's different. And uh, so I, I just and I can't, I can't tell you that I know that much about him, but you look at the guys he had at West Virginia and the guys he had at Houston, they're pretty good players. Last thought here, Coach. Michigan, Washington, uh, too much Wolverine on the offensive and defensive line. Uh, now the question is, is Jim off to the NFL or does he stay at Michigan? What do you think of, of the, the national championship game? Well, I think that Penix had to be Penix. You know, he had to, he had to throw those things in there, drop them in like he had against everybody else. And uh, I thought the two tackles – Two two guys across lined up across the guards uh, from the guards uh, at Washington were just dominant and really caused him problems. And he never got the chance to set his feet. And as a result, he 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 was not on from the first throw, and uh, he needed to be on. And he had so much pressure on him. Uh, and, and you know, Michigan didn't do anything unusual, but they played it really smart, tackled well. You know, they ran the ball at them. You know, if you throw away the first quarter, that's a heck of a game. Yeah, second right. second quarter and the third quarter, it, it was toe-to-toe. In fact, Washington had the ball four times in the second half, and they were only down by seven points, and they couldn't do anything with it. So that's that speaks to what the Michigan defense did to those guys. So, uh, yeah, I, I thought Michigan played really well. I thought Washington was close, but they just, you know, Penix had to be outstanding, and he just wasn't. Last side, Coach Gary Barnett with us. Is Michigan open next week? You have to ask Mrs. Harbaugh because I have no idea. But uh, it, nothing would surprise <laughs> ask me. Ask Mrs. Harbaugh. <laughs> <laughs> now, let me get on that. <laughs> yeah. Either his mom, Mrs. Harbaugh, or yeah. his wife, Mrs. Harbaugh. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Uh, you know what, if, if the only thing that stands out to me is that, you know what, he started his career at San Diego, mm-hmm. University of San Diego. Uh, the Chargers, I think they're, uh, I don't know what the numbers in Vegas are, but the odds are that he goes to Chargers. Yeah, that seems logical, but Jim doesn't do logical things. So 
who knows where he's going to go. It's, it's more fun trying to anticipate it and just see where he lands than anything else. Coach, you have a good weekend, and, and let me know how Alabama is, all right? I will. All right. Talk to you later, Chris. Good stuff from Gary Barnett, Hale Varsity Radio. Good insight there on Holgerson, uh, college football playoff, and, of course, Nick Saban. Reminder, use your seatbelt. It saves lives. It prevents injuries only if properly worn. Make it click. A message from the NDOT Highway Safety Office. Thoughts on Bill Belichick from the former Husker, Russ Hochstein, with his next on Hale Varsity. And now. And now, back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back into it, it's Hale Varsity Radio, powered by Cornhead Logger. And we welcome in former Husker All-American and two-time Super Bowl champ. Uh, most of his career spent with the New England Patriots. Spent time with Denver and Kansas City as well. Russ Hochstein with us. Russ, it's a pleasure to spend some time. And uh, we haven't had a chance to wish you a happy 2024 yet. We're a little bit into the new year. And every coach, uh, college or pro, seems to be retiring. Are you retiring? Uh, I, w- I was retired a long time ago, <laughs> but no, I'm still coaching, but not at that level. And, uh, and mine is more for the joy of watching my own children grow up and play. So, uh, it's a little different than what those, those gentlemen are doing, but you are absolutely right. A lot of, a lot of big names out there. So Russ, you're not a candidate for Bama or for the Patriots job, maybe Tennessee that there's, there's no truth to those rumors. Uh, there is no truth to those rumors, and the qualification. I do not have the qualifications yet to <laughs> to ascend to that level. Russ, what did you think today with the press conference with uh, Mr. Kraft with uh, with Coach Coach Belichick as they're mutually agreeing to, to part ways? End of an era in New England, and and I expect Belichick to be on a sideline next year somewhere, maybe uh, maybe L.A. Uh, I always call him San Diego, but the, the Chargers. What are your takeaways with uh, a man that you played seven seasons for and won two championships with? Number one is gratitude. I, I would say I'm I'm a very grateful person. That you know, my I was a second year in the NFL and I was kind of coming up and off the roster in Tampa Bay, and Bill and their staff took a chance on me and and gave me an opportunity here and. Uh, I would have never had the career I had without him. So uh, I appreciate everything they, they uh, invested in me. And, uh, heck, I'm still living in New England. This year's my 20th year here. Um, uh, not necessarily just because of I played here, but I met my wife and started having my family here. So there's a lot of things that go into play with that. Um, so it's sad to see Bill go. Um, but inevitably in the world of football, change is going to happen. Well, to tell us what you know about Bill, if this is the, the, the last hurrah for him and he is done coaching forever, like, do you even know what he does in his free time, what, what hobbies he has? What would he do if he's not on the football field? Because football's really been his life. Well, I agree with you 100%. I do not think it's the end of his coaching career. If it is, um, what would he be doing? That would be a great question. That man grinds and works like nobody else I've been around. Um, maybe he would play golf and, and hang out on, on, on Nantucket where his house is down there. But other than that, I cannot see him stopping uh, or, or not coaching any, any longer. I, I think uh, he still wants to coach a few more years. I think that record is, is reachable for him, and I think he knows that. But uh, I support him in whatever he wants to do, and 
if he called me, I'd help him out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and is that fair just from a from a personality standpoint, Bill Belichick, there's there's an image of him. Uh, we see his press conferences. We see the two to three word in- answers. It's on to Miami. It's on to Cleveland. It's on. I mean, you know, it's just he's always looking ahead. Very matter of fact. I think the guy can probably be a good time to sit down with, but he was always so stoic and reserved. So what is the Bill Belichick personality like for a player? What's what's inside that locker room? What's that sideline like? Um, I would say what you see in the media is not necessarily that is not what Bill is really like. Uh, Bill is a very smart, intelligent man, as we already know that from his coaching experiences, but in the personal level, he gets to know his players. Um, he, he communicates really well and actually has a pretty good sense of humor. It was always fun to be around with. When you weren't talking football and you were just talking about certain things, he, he's very personable. There's no issues there. I always giggle because I think the national media tended to – he rubbed them the wrong way all the time because of how his persona was when he was on press conferences. But if you got to really know him like a player, like we were the guys that were around him, uh, you really come to appreciate him. And, and like you, you kind of touched on it, the stories he can tell you the knowledge he gives to guys and the guys that I know that have coached for him and what they've taught is, is pretty second to none. And it's pretty amazing. And, and uh, I would love to have a beer with coach now again, now that I'm out a few years and, and catch up and talk about some other things. But uh, uh, it, it, I truly don't think people really get to know him. You don't really get to know a coach just by seeing him on a podium. But uh, if you're a player and, and guys that have worked with him, you really understand his personality and, and, uh, I really liked him. I got along with him really well, and almost all the guys I played with did. Russ, whenever you look at where the Patriots could potentially go next, Mike Vrabel's name has been thrown around a ton. Being a guy that was a Belichick disciple, played under Belichick, played with you, I want to get your thoughts. Do you think that would be a good move for the Patriots? Do they need to go complete different culture change from Belichick? What do you think that the Patriots do next? It's a it's a big moment for them following up a really, really disappointing season. Uh, I heard somebody else talk about this today, and I don't, I'm not here just to repeat what they had to say, but I thought it was a valid point. You're like, whether it's Vrabel, whether it's Mayo, whether it's a complete different new candidate, uh, Robert Kraft has a pretty good background of picking good coaches. He bought the team. He inherited Parcells. Now, I know that didn't end the way they probably wanted it, but then he went on to Pete Carroll, who was a winning coach when he was here, and then he rolled right into Belichick and got 24 years out of that. So it would be hard to say they they won't pick correctly, and people do make mistakes. Um, and v- as far as Vrabel goes, I was just at his uh, Hall of Fame induction in, at Gillette Stadium, and I got to catch up with him. And Vrabel is a great coach. Uh, I know the guys that he coached love him. Um, I love to play as a teammate and and friend. Uh, I I wish him nothing but the best. Um, I don't know if he'll come here. Um, Sometimes things are better left separated and going, not going back. But if he does decide to come back, I'd be here to help support him, and I think he'd do a great job here. Um, and I think Gerard would, too. I played with both of them, and I think they're both very intelligent. Um, they are younger, which is some knocks on Bill were that, you know, times were changing, the player personalities were changing. Can guys get along with that, the old-school, hard, hard-nosed coach? And, uh, you know, Rabel, Mayo both fit the mold of guys who kind of understand and can, 
can walk into a room and say, okay, 22-year-old kid, let's do it this way and get along with people. So there's a lot of pluses and minuses, and, and uh, both of them I've known very well, and, and uh, I support them both and hope the both uh, hope they both uh, continue to go on in coaching to be successful. Um, that's why. So I really didn't answer your question of who I think they should pick, um, but I, I think it's amazing. I, I do think uh, the Patriots are a little ways away from winning. Um, I think some people are always quick to take past success and say, hey, they can just do a couple people here, we'll flip it, and we're going to be really, really good. I don't know if that's the case right now. I think they're a few years away from that. Um, but uh, I am excited and just as interested as you guys to see who they put up on, uh, put at the podium and uh, who takes the home. Russ Hochstein's with us. Russ, was it the perfect mesh point in, in football history with Bill Belichick and Tom Brady? Oh, I don't think you could argue that right now. <laughs> they uh, just what a great pairing of, of, of two personalities and two between a player and a coach. And to think they're both probably the greatest of all time at those positions of what they did. And you're absolutely right. You know, people always compare it to like, you know, the Michael Jordan, Scotty Pippen era sure. and, and what they did in Chicago. And sometimes it just lightning strikes and it, the right timing and whatever happens, uh, they both became successful and and found a way to compete at a high level and continue to win. And uh, so, yes, I do think uh, it struck right for them and it worked really well for everybody around them. Russ, going to shift gears before we get you out. Thanks for giving us a few minutes. And you were a, a teammate, and you kind of came up together with Dominic Riola. Both of you were on the line along with Tony you and some some great years in Lincoln. What can you share with us about about Dom and just what's transpired for Nebraska to, to land such a talent in Dylan at quarterback? Well, what I can say is this. I hope all that pressure Dom's former teammates – and friends put on him really helped because it seems like it did. And and his son is here. We're uh, uh, here in Nebraska. I say here, but I yeah. know I'm in New England, but back in Nebraska. And uh, I couldn't think of a better thing. Um, you know, any dad who who's raising their kids would love their their own kids to follow their footsteps. It doesn't doesn't mean that they can't be better than you or in a different position. Obviously. Uh, Dylan plays quarterback, so I'm excited to see what can come of this. Um, and I know uh, I know Dom's got to have a big smile on his face, and uh, I can't wait to see what comes from it. Um, and but we got to have patience. Everybody has to have patience. We're in a world where things people push a little too quick for success, and sometimes it doesn't happen that way. So I hope everybody uh, has a little patience. And God knows we haven't won a lot in the last ten years, but we're working on it, and uh, I'm excited. Uh, you know that's how I'll leave that one. I I, uh, I can't wait, and I, and I I'm, I'm I'm smiling for Dom right now because I can, I know he is. <laughs> Russ, with with that, uh, peel the onion back a little bit on on the on the pressure, the former teammates. What what's uh, the word around the campfire? Was it just uh, constant? Hey, what's up? How are you? Uh, man, we had a great time at Nebraska. Those type of bump ins or phone calls or text messages what can you share man there's like <laughs> it, w- it would be more like hey uh there's you know it, as a, as teammates and things like that you always tease because you're like there is no other place but nebraska and uh 
obviously that was drilled into our heads is, and and I'm born and raised there. So mm-hmm. I grew up that way. And, uh, so it was, it was always questions of, uh, so you're looking at other schools. Really? Why? <laughs> <laughs> so there's only one place though. There's, we want to talk about, and that's the, uh, university of Nebraska. And let's just keep it there. <laughs> Were you pretty close with Dom? I mean, I same position group, as far as on that offensive line, you guys got to be brothers on the line, all five of you. Uh, what, but what do you remember about that camaraderie, that, that group that was really, really talented? So uh, we always had each other's back. Um, we all loved to compete. Everyone loved to be physical and, and, you know, on, on and off the field, we just had so much fun. And, and like you said, it was a family atmosphere and I, I was lucky enough to get that when I came in the NFL with like the guys I was, mm-hmm. I played with in New England and to some to some extent, when I played in Denver for three years, we had family. Um, we had a family atmosphere in the old line room, and that means all the difference. Russ Hochstein with us, uh, standout Husker and uh, two-time Super Bowl champ with the Patriots. Russ, we love you, man. Appreciate you sharing some thoughts on your coach Bill Belichick, the Riola uh, situation, 2.0 Riola. Uh, should be good times in Nebraska here down the road and we'll check in again as the playoffs move forward thanks for a few minutes well i appreciate you guys uh calling me and get your snow shovels and snow blowers oh, out don't say that <laughs> <laughs> russ we'll, uh, we'll we'll go find him uh, that's right i appreciate it guys have a great day and now and now back to hail varsity radio Big thanks to Russ Hochstein talking Bill Belichick, Gary Barnett with us on Nick Saban. We say hi to Danny Burke, Burke's Best Bets, and can log on and uh, find out more info uh, with Danny Burke, burksbeat.com, and uh, Danny Burke 5 on Twitter. Pride of Chicago. I was going to say, you you seemed a little reluctant to call him the Pride of Chicago with Connor sitting right here. No, Danny Burke's (laughs) the original Pride of Chicago. He holds seniority, so I can't argue. No, and uh, Connor Clark with us uh, still in Chicago. Elijah Herbal and I uh, hunkered down uh, to make snowmen later. Danny, it's going to take a four-wheel drive potentially to get to the sports book to put money down on Nebraska-Iowa. I don't have a number. Can you help me out? Oh, man. Well, so I've been a little distant in college basketball. Is this one at PBA or is it down in Iowa City? It's in Iowa City. That's why I. Mm. That's why I'm asking about uh, four wheel drive the sports book, and I can I can go put a wager down. <laughs> right. Well, it seems that the Hawkeyes are clearly not the same team as they've been in years past, and the big question is how is Nebraska going to respond after that win against Purdue? Right. Mm-hmm. You know, some teams can keep building off that momentum. Some teams look to be content and kind of fat and happy with it. But I, I'm thinking I can believe that this team will fall into the category more of the former and that they're still going to respond and try to carry some of that momentum. Look, and it's a program that has a chip on their shoulder until they prove otherwise. So, uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the game. And, again, hasn't been on my radar as much as these playoffs, but now that I know it's uh, the disgusting Hawkeyes the Huskers are going against, uh, I might have to make a bet on our uh, on our big red squad going forward. And what, what I'm seeing online, not officially uh, just yet, but potentially Iowa a three-point favorite? That sounds about right. And between Nebraska and Iowa, really? anything, it's minus three or three and a half, isn't it? I mean, that's just kind of how it rolls. <laughs> we have an inflated total, though. It's sitting over 160, which uh, is in sharp contrast wow. to the football 
Gave yes, big time inflated. Actually, Daddy, let's go to the NFL, but I needed to just uh, pick your brain, and I will be texting you later. And again, I will chip you <laughs> off 15% for accurate information uh, because you, uh, you win. What an NFL setup. This is incredible. I love... The two games on Saturday, I am not man enough to to go survive the single digits outside in Arrowhead, so I'll be watching it. But Cleveland and the Texans, Flacco's been great, and Stroud's been awesome. What a win for the Texans against the Colts. And how do you see Saturday shaking out? Really tight lines both ways. Yeah, let's start with that Browns and Texans game. This one is... I mean, look, you're seeing the number at about two. It was two and a half for a considerable amount of this week. And it's just which quarterback can produce more magic in this game. And obviously Joe Flacco, what he's done, in my mind, is enough to deem him comeback player of the year. And I know there's a whole conversation surrounding that. But, I mean, what Joe Flacco's done is is remarkable. And the same can clearly be said for C.J. Stroud, a rookie into this situation with a team that, what, won like three games last year, an overhauled roster, a brand-new head coach. It's insanity how good C.J. Stroud has been right out of the gate. And the numbers still back that up, of course. Now, C.J. Stroud has had a bigger sample size, but he's got a better touchdown-interception ratio. He leads the league. He's got a better success rate, passer rating, EPA, a lot of these categories over Joe Flacco. The other thing, though, that you have to put into this is the defenses, right? I mean, Cleveland clearly has the best defense in the National Football League and leaps and bounds better than Houston. It's not that the Texans have an atrocious defense. It's about middle of the pack. And then what it also comes down to, as we all very well know, is experience. Joe Flacco has been there. Members of this Browns team have been in this situation before. Not often, but enough to have an advantage. You don't have that on the side of Houston. If this game was in Cleveland, certainly the point spread would be different. You'd see a bigger favorite on the side of the Browns. But that's where I would have more incentive to back Joe Flacco and company. Here, I would probably entertain the idea of teasing up Houston, right? If you're getting them two or two and a half, tease them up six points. You get them over the key numbers of three and seven. And if you do think it's going to come down to the wire and you're kind of 50-50 like me, that's probably the way to approach it. So I have not made a bet in this game, guys. My initial thoughts had me leaning toward the Browns, but instead of either laying a more expensive money line or just laying the spread in the spot where I'm not completely confident in them, I think the safer option is to look to tease up the Texans. So that's how I would approach that first game on Saturday. The second game, I did make a bet. I actually made a couple bets here, Kansas City and Miami. You know, it's kind of funny. I was looking at this game, and I had some friends texting me, and I completely understand why, but they're all confused, and they're saying, why is Miami catching four-and-a-half points here? Kansas City has not been that good this year. And you're absolutely right. They have been poor when you base off of what we've been accustomed to and no receivers and all those things. But what Casey has going for them is their defense. Their defense has been tremendous this season and has really given them an opportunity to be in a lot of these games. They're seventh an overall DVOA defense. I could keep going down the list of their other numbers, but again, we know they have a strong defense. Miami, they can be good in that category, but they are one of the more banged-up teams heading into this game, not only on the defensive side with Chubb, Howard, and company, but even with Waddle and Tyree Kill playing, they're not 100%. And you also have to understand this is Tua Tungabailoa's first playoff start. You're going in a hostile road environment in an extremely frigid temperature-ridden game that they're not accustomed to down in South Beach. So it makes sense why this line has moved from like three, three and a half up to four and a half. But I didn't do that. I didn't lay the number, although I was 
gravitate toward that situation. I actually did a money line parlay with the Chiefs and the Cowboys. Long story short, look, the Packers haven't beaten anybody impressive on the road this year. The Cowboys are by far the most dominant home team in the NFL, 8-0 with an average winning margin of 21.5. Green Bay's defense, despite what the Bears didn't do against them, any other competent offense can demolish them, and I think that's what the Cowboys do. So I did a money line parlay with the Cowboys, paired them with the Chiefs, and then I also did the Miami team total under 21 at the price of minus 148, I believe. But if you get 20 in the hook at an affordable price, I still think that's viable that I just can't foresee this Miami offense having any success in this weather and against a good defense that is Kansas City. Danny Burke with us here. Burke's best bets on Hale Varsity Radio. And Danny, it's already looking like we're probably going to have to hold you through the commercial break, get another segment with you to get to the Sunday night game, Rams at Lions, as well as the Eagles and the Buccaneers on Monday night. But I want to get your thoughts on a comment we got in from David. He says, bet every NFL game under this weekend, you will make money. Your thoughts on that? So I definitely like the under, even, you know, with the team total I said with Miami in that game. I like the whole game going under, two based on the weather. Uh, Buffalo and Pittsburgh, it's extremely unattractive because it's as low as, what, like 36, 35 and a half? I'm seeing 35 and a half, <laughs> you get a, Yeah, if you could get a 37, I, I would take it, but now I'd stay away. But, again, can envision a lot of points there. Cleveland-Houston, I think you might see an over. All the other games, except for Philly-Tampa Bay, I think that's an over. But Pittsburgh-Miami game, uh, Los Angeles-Rams-Detroit, I, I would lean toward the under in those spots. And like you said, I'll, I'll share my thoughts on the other games too. But I, I don't hate his line of thinking, but I think it may be split. Danny, uh, hang tight for us as uh, we'll get to Sunday's action and coverage, all right? Can you do that? Can you yeah, hang you on it, the other side? Good. Danny Burke with us here on Hale Varsity Radio and uh, Burksbeat.com, where you can find some of Danny's write-ups, some of his analysis at Danny Burke 5 on Twitter is where you go, and Danny's posting some content there as well, video and audio with uh, the, the weekend. And This is great, man. There's always a game or two with the NFL playoffs that wow you. I mean, it, it just it, death taxes and a great wild card weekend. So we'll find out more from Danny Burke, Elijah Herbal, Connor Clark. Hale Varsity continues as we're powered by Cornhead Lager. And now, and now back to Hale Varsity Radio. Back with you, Burke's best bet. It's Hale Varsity powered by Cornhead Lager, uh, Burke'sBeat.com, NFL wild card weekend. As uh, we head to Sunday, Elijah. Oh, and then we go to Sunday Night Football, Danny. That's where we lead things off in this overtime segment. The Los Angeles Rams heading to Detroit, taking on the Lions. The Lions, a three-and-a-half-point favorite. What do you like here, Danny? Yeah, I got to play in this one, too, guys. I like this game a lot. I took the Rams at plus three-and-a-half. Now, I know threes are painted across the board, and I'd still recommend taking three points with Los Angeles. What do we know about this game? Well, that Laporta is up in the air with his status. And even if he is going to go, we know he's not going to be 100%. I'm not really banking on him having an impact in this game, which then does in turn impact the handicap in this game. I mean, he led the team in touchdowns, if I'm not mistaken. And having a really strong tight end is crucial in this day and age in the National Football League. Where do the Rams have the advantages as well? I think it happens with the coaching. Sean McVay clearly has the experience, the better play caller, and just an overall better schemer. 
Dane Campbell's a great motivator, a solid coach, but if you have to pick one or the other, it's got to be Sean McVay. And same thing when it comes to the quarterbacks. Yes, Goff has been to a Super Bowl. Stafford has won one. And these guys both have the narrative surrounding it, right? Goff against his former team, Stafford, vice versa. Goff's numbers are a little bit better, but I'm going to trust the Rams here who have the better quarterback in this spot, the better coach, and slightly a better defense. The Lions' defense has been really dreadful in a lot of spots. Rams are just middle of the pack. So if you're getting me, giving me rather three or better, I'll gladly take that with the Los Angeles Rams in this game, guys. I'm not going to be shocked to see them win this one outright. Danny, about a minute here going on to Monday night. Eagles visiting the Buccaneers in the wild card matchup in the NFC. I'm seeing Philly minus three. What do you make of that line? I know Philly hasn't been playing well as of late, but a favorable matchup for them in Tampa. It seems like this would almost be a buy-low spot on Philadelphia, but there's two reasons why I haven't bet it yet. And one, because it's at three. If it was below, I'd be a lot more intrigued to do it, naturally. And then the other reason is just I don't know what to expect with the injuries for Philadelphia. I mean, Jalen Hurts banged up, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith, uh, DeAndre Swift with an illness. Like, all these guys are injured. And if we get closer to game time and we see that they're healthy and the line doesn't move too drastically, perhaps they'll get involved but I also mentioned the total a little bit earlier. I don't mind going over 43-and-a-half, 44. Both of these defenses fairly poor. The Eagles all over the place are 29th in DVOA. Tampa Bay secondary is atrocious. I think this could be one of those games where it's a tad bit higher scoring. And before I get out of here, Connor, since you asked me the question, i got to ask you a question. How did you get set up? I'm seeing on the stream right now, you look like you got this cozy setting going on, and, uh, you know, Schmidt and Elijah are stuck in the studio. How did that work out for you? Well, that's courtesy of my mom and her office. So currently just camping out at the uh, the Clark compound, if you will, in, in the northern suburbs. Don't drink the Kool-Aid, Connor. The Clark compound. There you go. Love it. We need the Clark compound T-shirts. So we need the Danny's granny T-shirts because <laughs> Danny. Uh, oh, Danny, man, Smitty, that hasn't been brought up in quite some time. Oh, that is. A we were talking about story, Danny though. Burke, the, the all-city. Uh, suburb point guard uh, <laughs> one time or another and you had grandma had a, a Danny's granny t-shirt or jersey or something it was pretty awesome <laughs> yeah you know it's freshman basketball and my grandma's in the stands with a shirt that says Danny's granny there's two Danny's on the team and someone asks whose grandma's that and the other Danny goes well it's not mine so that narrowed it down pretty easily to being my grandmother well, Danny have a good weekend thanks for the time <laughs> you got it guys you as well Back at four tomorrow with Hale Varsity. Take care. A Huda Media Production.